Welcome to the EDM Producer Podcast. This is the show where we interview successful EDM producers from around the world, ask them about their production techniques, what software they're using, hardware, any tips on production, workflow, marketing. We try to bring it all. And we always have an amazing producer on the show. This show is no different, of course. Joining us is Flavors, calling from Canada. What's up, Flavors? How's it going, man? Doing well. That's cool. Thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah. No sweat. I'm actually uh, flattered because um, it's the first interview and obviously I'm passionate about this stuff. So to have an outlet, people can listen in and hear about it. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, man. I love that because first of all, just doing the interviews, I love talking this stuff. And, um, and you know, I'm sure the information you give is going to be uh, people are really going to like it. Yeah, no, hopefully I, I did. Uh, that's why I'm actually pumped that you sent over some questions first. Hopefully it doesn't sound too scripted or anything, but, uh, yeah, man, it should be fine. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself so we kind of get to know you and, uh, what kind of music that you do? Um, well, I'm, uh, 21 years old from Edmonton, Alberta. Um, pretty much, uh, the music I produce, I, I yeah, it's under the moniker flavors and, uh, with, with the name, I always wanted um, like variety associated with it. Um, so there's, yeah, I think you could definitely tell that like through the different genres I like, I, I mess around with and whatnot, but, uh, but I'm also really into turntablism. I don't know, like, do you know what turntablism is or, you know, uh, I believe it's, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's just the skill of using a turntable with like DJing, but really like doing the uh, scratches and everything and getting into it all. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's like, I would say it's the closest thing to like using a turntable as like an actual instrument. And, um, it's pretty overwhelming, man. Like I have a close friend that I went to high school with who he's been scratching his whole life. Who's like, he's unreal. And, uh, yeah, he was the one who got me into it. And I don't know, man, I think like I fell for it right away. Just like, I, I think it's one of the coolest creative outlets and that's pretty much, I started DJing and then DJing just naturally led into producing. And honestly, I don't know if I ever would have started producing. Like, I think I always would have messed around with it, but I think like at this age with like EDM scene or whatever you want to call it, you need to produce like that's just, there's no way you can really have a sustainable career without producing. And so I guess like, since I was going to go down that road with producing music, I always wanted turntablism the thing that first even just got me into this associated with whatever brand i decide to to build and so yeah in terms of like type of music i produce i would definitely say like hip-hop uh influenced with turntablism so, well yeah i mean it seems like it kind of worked out for you i mean I, I saw a youtube video of a red bull contest you were you did you submitted yeah. and then you were rocking it and it looked so natural and Thanks. i was reading about it and they said one of the reasons that you got highly as highly places you did was because all the songs you did were your own yeah yeah actually i was going to talk about that in a bit um that was like yeah that was huge for me i've done the red bull freestyle two years before this year like the video you saw and both years i got third place and um it was it's really like it's a fun experience red bull is obviously like a renowned company and so they totally like they hook you up and uh you know you get paid very well and it's just a learning experience too just being you know, outside your comfort zone. It's like, like a pressured situation. Um, but yeah. So like, I remember when they asked me to do it for the third year, cause you can, you generally have to be asked to do it. Um, cause uh, it's kind of high demand, but they also want to keep like the standards somewhat high. Like they're not just going to let like some dude who's never DJ before. Right. Enter. right. 
Um, and on the third, I was kind of bitter, man, to be completely honest. Like the third year I was like, Oh man, like I'm not really feeling it. I'm like flavors was taking off and I didn't want to just go up and do like a party rocking set playing like Jay-Z and all that stuff. Right. Um, and then I was, do you know who Knight Riders is by any chance? He's from my city as well. I don't. And to be honest, yeah. I've only actually been in EDM for a few years. I'm, I still consider myself a noob, so I don't oh. like have, have the whole history, but, um, I'm super into it. That's why I wanted to do this show. But when you guys are asking me like, Oh, do you know him? Do you know yes. him? And I, I feel like a tool when I have to say, nah, haven't no, heard of him yet. It's, it's always endless though. You know what I mean? There's yeah. like, no way. Like I it actually was funny, you know, justice. I'm sure you've heard of like, yes. Yeah. I had just kind of heard of justice, like within maybe two or three years. And I think that blows a lot of people's minds. I just, I've heard like some of those tunes, which just was never really conscious of who they were. Exactly. But uh, anyways, yeah, we were at the driving range and I was telling them like, Oh, I kind of want to kibosh this competition. Like, I don't know. I want to do something that's different. Or like, I don't even know if I want to go in. And he's like, dude, he's like, your production's sounding better and better. Like you should totally just do like 15 minutes of your own music. And I've been kind of thinking about it. Like, I just, I didn't think it was really possible. But then when he was like fronting in and be like, yo, like you should definitely do this. That's when I was like, you know what? Like, Let's see if I have enough songs, enough of like the proper vibe to kind of make it party rocking. And uh, yeah, that was like super fun. And that's even what like gave me even more motivation to be like, wow, like if I can build flavors as like really cool music, but also like you will get some quality DJing or like you'll kind of get this art form that I think is really cool with it. Then you know, hopefully it will take off more and people can appreciate that. Yeah. I like that. Like the whole package deal yeah. because that, you know, you DJing your music and doing the turn to whole turntablism thing, it adds so much. Yeah, man. I think so. And even just like DJs are, it's like one of the biggest things right now, but I think a lot of them lack that like actual live aspect of like what you can compare to a band. Like we can all agree like a band, a good band will have way more energy than a, a DJ just cause like right. it's all, it's fully live. Like they can play off each other. They can, they have so much more control. They can actually like vibe with the audience. Like there's just like, there's just so many more like elements there. Right. And I think a lot of DJs lose that. Um, but with turntablism, it's like the closest thing to a live band where like, yeah, you can do spontaneous things and like, you can do like tons of play, like with the audience. And I don't know, it's just a bit, it's a bit more like, there's just more opportunity and it's, and it's fun. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it looks like it. In fact, when I was watching your videos, I'm like, I got to try that. Now, uh, what, what did you have on the computer while you were doing that? Was it just like Serato or something or are you running like yeah. Ableton? No, it was all Serato. Okay. I actually don't use Ableton, but uh, I probably eventually will. When I get a new laptop, maybe I'll try to run Ableton and a couple other things. But yeah, it was just Serato. Um, took a lot of time. I'd, like The hardest part was writing all the tunes, obviously, but then actually like kind of going back and taking stems from the tunes of like which parts I wanted to scratch or like, you know what I mean? Cause they were already all written. Right. So I can kind of solo certain say like vocal parts and like break it all down, throw it in the Serato sampler. Um, like, I don't know, just things like that. So yeah, it's just all Serato and, and I think maybe logic when I was recording it. But I see. Yeah. That seems like a lot of work, especially after you spend like hours slaving over a song and then you have to go back into it and deconstruct yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it was definitely like, it was pretty hard. Um, but it was like, it was one of the funnest things I've done and got tons of recognition. Um, actually, like, I think one of your questions of like, in terms of success, like I'll talk about it later, get into a bit more depth of like what came from doing all that. And yeah, definitely lots of work and it paid off and yeah, I'm super happy about it. Good, man. That's a good teaser. 
we all have to like wait now and listen to the end of the show to hear how your answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. Now, what do you produce with? What's your doll of choice? You mentioned logic. Yes. Logic nine. Um, I, I know logic 10 just came out and I don't know if I want to go with 10 just yet, but uh, I'm pretty comfortable with nine, but yeah, I love it, man. Like it's, it's super clean. It's definitely powerful. There's a couple things that make me want to rip my hair out to be honest, but like what, tell me those things. Um, man, like the, uh, the CPU, which is probably my own computer, but like sometimes logic falls into like a certain groove where like it will just not cooperate. Like <laughs> if there's a bit too much CPU reading, which pretty much means like you just have too many VSTs going on and like yeah. there's just too much information there that like you will not even be able to get a sound out of it. Like I'll hit the space bar, I'll hit play and it just right away a warning window will pop up and be like system overload. And like, that's just super frustrating. And sometimes I have to even just close the project, leave my computer for like 10 minutes and reopen it. Oh, you know man. what I mean? Yeah. And what I've heard though with Ableton Live, um, it has some, like, some CPU issues, but it will still play. So that's kind of cool that like you can overload. This is I don't know. At least I think it does. But yeah, like in terms of CPU, I think it manages a bit better. But oh, that's cool. Man, what do you like about Logic? Um, yeah, I would definitely say it's just it's powerful, and I'm obviously someone. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but like I'm someone who uh, I'm really conscious of like mix downs and just like how how big I can get something to sound, or at least I, I just want it to be like the most full it could possibly be and yeah. be very clean. I think logic is pretty, uh, pretty known, uh, for being able to, to deliver that. Um, what else I like about it? I mean, I used to use FL studio, like I kind of messed around a bit with FL and, um, I like that you can have, it's just a clean piano roll, which is like when you can open it up and you have your piano keys and like you can type in MIDI or whatever. On so SL like, or on Logic? On uh, on both. Like they're both yeah. like very similar when you open up like the piano win, uh, roll window. Right. Um, when as like uh, Ableton Live, it just kind of seemed a bit, I don't know, it just looks a bit sketchier. And so I don't know, Logic was kind of <laughs> welcoming in that way. Yeah, no, I'm with you on Ableton. It, to, people love it and they say that it inspires them greatly and stuff. And I open it and I go, ugh, it's like mm-hmm. gray drab. Like I, it is a clean slate, but it's just this gray drab look and uh that's not like the only i mean that's not the reason i don't use it just just i'm just not really adapted to the workflow but um i hear you about ableton i've tried to get into it many times and it's just it doesn't fit just yet yeah exactly it's it's i think ableton's a bit more intimidating to get into um right right again even like all my all of my producer homies in the city like they all use ableton and they can kill it with it and like when you do learn it it's like the quickest workflow ever but uh yeah it's just i look at it and i just panic (laughs) have you tried bitwig yet which one it's called bitwig it's like uh oh i would say it's like an ableton um logic hybrid it looks like you could do pretty much both of the things um it's just it's a brand new doll yeah they got some guys from ableton I think they got fed up with working there and they left and he started this new doll called Bitwig and it just got released. It's pretty cool. You definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm going to write that down right now. All right. Well, tell us about your workflow. How do you write a song? Um, Well, it's kind of like it's different every time for sure. Um, Typically, I like to start out, well, depending on the vibe and like tempo, if I want to start out with like a hip hop tempo, I think like drums are super important. So I'll start out with drums with that. But if I want to start out with like, making like a vibey tune or like maybe a house tune. I'll definitely start with like a chord progression. Um, but ultimately like I'm a huge believer in being outside your comfort zone. Like I've never liked having a template. 
I feel like the days that I've had a template or like if I had a really cool tune, it was well received and I try to write a song using the same methods, it almost never works out for me. Mm-hmm. I think that like, you know, not only do you grow as like a producer or songwriter when you're outside of your comfort zone, trying different methods and like tackling things a different way. Um, but like, there's like, I guess you could say like the magic will happen when you do that. So I don't know, like, I think it's, uh, it's kind of different every time, but, um, typically I would like to start with drums and then, uh, just work everything around that. And then when I have like a good loop or like a good, like eight bars or whatever written, then I'll start thinking about like a drop or like a breakdown concept. And then, uh, yeah, I'll do like intro and outro probably last. And then pretty much when the song's done, that's when I go back and like I was talking about in the Red Bull video, I'll pull things out and like scratch certain parts to like kind of to add that final polish or like something that's unique to flavors. Yeah. That's very cool. It makes it interesting when you do that. Yeah. Like I think it's like, not only is it like kind of, subconsciously like letting you know like hey i'm an actual like dj or like into this like cool art form that no one really is into anymore at least on like a big scale but also like sonically like it you can't no other producer can really mimic it right like it's right you can't actually like really fake it there's like a couple effects out there but yeah it's kind of it's authentic that's cool it's like doing a guitar solo if you're old school exactly like if you can like any kind of recording it's like you can just tell when it's like okay that's probably them doing it or like you know right right very cool can you tell us some of your favorite production tips um oh geez there's so many um there was this one guy named uh mako and he's like a uk producer he actually quit and it's kind of heartbreaking because uh his sound design is like out of this world um it's a bit like on the heavier side um, very like he, he wrote a lot of dubstep and a lot of narrow hop, I guess you would call it. But, uh, the productions were just like insane and he got tons of recognition. But one of the coolest production tips he ever gave was, um, write sketches. And what he means by sketches is like, do not concern yourself with like the project itself. Like literally just sit down and just spend 30 minutes doing whatever. Like there's no rules. You're not thinking about like the end product. You're not thinking about like, Oh, this has to be my next banger. Like this has to be like this. Just like open up any synth, whatever, no matter how ridiculous it may seem and just do something like just pure creative outlet and do that maybe like twice a day or like right before you start a serious project or something where like you actually have that end goal there. And, uh, and that like just kind of helps get like the creative juices going and almost every time you'll like surprise yourself, you'll open up a synth you've never thought you would use and be like, holy, like that sounds amazing. Or like, you know what I mean? So oh, been, yeah. Like, yeah. So that, I don't know. It's like a really cool production tip that I always kept pretty close. That's uh, so good. That's a, I love that. I love yeah. that. And, was, uh, I find myself doing it every once in a while, not as often as he recommends, but you're right. Every time you do it, you go, Oh my God, I never thought that that synth could sound like that or. Never saw that preset before. Yeah, it kind of just like takes all the pressure out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's definitely always pressure associated with writing a tune. And yeah, it's just, it's just makes it a lot more like for the fun of it. Um, and like I mentioned before, like being outside your comfort zone, like you'll always surprise yourself usually. I think like you can tell when people have the set template and uh, they're just kind of rinsing the same methods over and over again. And like, right. it's, I don't know, I think like there's not as much growth there. I agree with you. It gets yeah. boring and it just gets repetitive. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah there's, there's some producers and I, I, they put like three songs. I'm not going to name any names, but it's like the third song he put out in a row. 
and it's almost the same exact chord progression even as the first one. I'm like, you gotta change things up. And then people are loving it and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you guys all hearing the same thing I am? So uh, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. This, this guy, Mako, um, how do you spell his name, first of all? Uh, it's M-A-K, or sorry, yeah, M-A-K, and then capital O. I think you can still find a SoundCloud. Like I think he has like eight thousand followers or something. No, like, he's got like recognition from like Cohen Sound, Noisia, like like gotcha. huge, huge game changer like producers. And uh, I remember just seeing this post. He's like, "I'm over it." <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe it was pressure. Yeah, it was pretty. Wow. Sucks. Now, he, did he used to put out like tutorial videos? How do you? How did you know his production tips? Um, I don't think he put out any tutorial videos, but he did put out like a couple sample packs um, with a lot of samples in there, a lot of drums, but uh, no, it was just through like a Facebook status of him being like, Hey guys, like this is something that you should know. Very cool. um, even like, I think I added him on Facebook cause he was associated with the label that I wanted to release with. And so that was kind of like my way of like, you know, seeing if I can kind of get in. Gotcha. And uh, I, yeah, like, it might've been like a personal status too. Just like, something he was venting about and be like, Hey, look, you should do this or you guys should consider this. So gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, man. Anything else you got on production tips? Um, actually, yeah. Like one of the bigger ones is, uh, and the, the, this kind of goes without saying, but at least I get so many messages on SoundCloud and people like asking about my music and they're always like, who masters your music? Or like, <laughs> well, how do you master it? Or like, blah, blah, blah. And it's, I just think masters are so overrated. In fact, like, I can't even tell you how many masters I've gotten back and had to send back like three times because they weren't like where I wanted them to be. I think everyone needs to remember that like the mix down is always so much more important that you should trust your ears. You were the one writing the song. You're the one who has like the exact preference of like where you want that song to be. This other guy could have like a 10 year, like, experience tons of education but like he might not know where like what you want that song to be so like i would say don't concern yourself with masters they're a polish and like they will they can make something sound like a tad better but mix down is so much more important and if you have a bad mix down a master's not really going to do anything for it so in terms of production like tips i would say like you know don't sell yourself short like don't be like oh okay like this this will sound better when I get it mastered. Right. If you're thinking that, just take a step back and redo the mix down because that will do so much more for you. Wow, that's great. I mean, great advice. In fact, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you said that. I've been kind of on the fence lately about mastering. Now, if you talk to anybody who's you know old school or whatever, they say, "Of course, you have to get it mastered. You just have to. It's like one of the things you have to do." Mm -hmm. The more I write and the more I listen, like to you guys, and the more I see, you know. You know, a lot of people say you have to get it mastered because you need another set of ears to listen to your music. You can't hear it, everything yourself. And I'm like, you have the vision. Your ears know what you want to hear. Maybe this guy who has another set of ears doesn't know what I'm going for. So I'm actually really glad you brought that up and uh, took a lot of like, I don't know, a lot of the attention off of people who think they have to master. Yeah, you know, man. They don't necessarily have to. No, seriously. And like, and honestly, like there's so much information out there to master it yourself. Like, and I, I don't know, like I'm not like discrediting people who master music. Right. But I just think it's kind of overrated right now. And, uh, and that, you know, a lot of the free tunes I gave out, I did myself, like almost every tune I've given out for free. It was just like a quick master. Even some of them probably don't even have masters. They're just like a straight limiter, couple little like tricks that I kind of hold close to myself. And then like, that's it. You know, it's just in the end, it's kind of music. <laughs> right, right. Man, those tricks you hold close to yourself. You didn't want to give them up on favorite production tips, huh? Yeah. 
Um, All right, I'll let you keep some secrets. You got to have some. You got to have some. All right, let's talk about uh, your influences. Who got you into EDM? Um, influences. Well, at the very beginning, like in high school, when I got into it, uh, it was Armin Van Buren. Yeah, who is yeah, like total trance DJ. Um, I can't remember where I just. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Uh, why but i just i think i saw like his estate of trance episode and i was like right away just caught me off guard didn't get it i thought that they were all just one song or like i just had no idea what it was all about <laughs> that definitely like piqued my interest and then uh that's funny yeah and then i honestly i got a fake id went to a show with a couple friends and i was just like mind blown i think it was like above and beyond or someone like that right it's a big festival saw that and that's when i was like okay this is really cool um, so I want to say it's like a lot of the trance guys that got me into it. I would have never guessed that from listening to your music. I know, man. It's funny because like I'm not into trance anymore. <laughs> but they're, they're I would have thought stuff. you'd say like Pretty Lights or somebody like that. Well, yeah, actually, that's that is one of the guys for sure. Um, but yeah, so it went from trance and then from trance into like house, and then because like I mentioned, Night Riders and a couple other like my production friends in the city. When I started DJing really young in clubs, they were all like into uh, like glitch hop and like people like the glitch mob and like very west coast like electronic music and i like heard glitch off for the first time and like my mind was blown like yeah. right away i had never listened to trance pretty much after that like <laughs> trance you know it's pretty rinsed like it you know doesn't really evolve but i just the hip-hop and like the groove i've always been a big fan of jazz and funk and so it was like wow i didn't even realize like this this world existed where it like meshes all those things right. and then yeah i remember hearing pretty lights and downloading all of his, all of his music and seriously like it was insane like i could not believe how good he was and uh yeah <laughs> he's definitely been a huge influence um that's so awesome the funniest thing he said there was uh how you didn't get it and you thought when you're talking about Armin van buren you're like you didn't get it and you thought it was all one long song no exactly i genuinely thought like this guy is making three hour songs but, <laughs> but yeah um but that's as for influences right now i guess yeah. like disclosure flume cashmere cat um all these like i don't know just uk australian dudes like they i know for them like it's a different it's a different kind of sound than what i'm going for but they just reminded me like what just good songwriting is i think like at one point i was really locked into like writing dj tracks or like okay this has to be friendly for a dj because like i said i came from like the djing side not the production side like you know i wanted music to be very easy for a dj and now it's like you know what like i'm writing songs like these songs should be how they should be and cashmere cat and like flume have definitely showed me that disclosure like they're writing some of the most timeless music ever it's not really forward like i think garage music has always been around and especially house but like they're just doing it so well and it's like that's why it's popping off for them wow um but i guess uh to add to that someone who um inspired like probably the person who inspired me to make the sound that i make like right now that you'll probably hear the most is d carls who's now branks and um branks is on uh like grammatics label and he tours with grammatic and like all those big guys um but he d carls when that was his first project was on simplify recordings okay and uh i remember getting signed with simplify and i was super pumped about it and didn't really know much about the label um because they just messaged me like out of the blue on soundcloud and so i started looking them up and like seeing all these artists and i looked up d carl's and man like i, I don't know if you've heard d carl's music but like 
he was that dude that when I heard his music, like my world ended, like it was insane. I, like even today I could still listen to some of these songs and like they're out of this world. Like the, and I totally take huge influence from him and I'm really excited to hear like his new project and direction, but uh, just such good songwriting and like, you know, the musical content is like so good on par and the production is like unreal. And like, you can listen to it. It's so clean um yeah he's been a really big influence right now wow i definitely have to check him out you know yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying about like how and that's what i like about music it's so powerful it could just totally change your direction in life you know what i mean or like make you do something you would never think about doing yeah yeah 100 percent, man maybe just some people might find interesting another influence is like i take a lot of like jazz um, there's a guy, he's my dad's favorite jazz piano player, this guy named Oscar Peterson who died like eight years ago, but he's like the world renowned Canadian jazz piano player. Like he's just, I, in fact, like I probably can't even appreciate his music as much as someone who's like has an education with it. But right. all I know is I listen to his music and I love it. Like it's just got some really different grooves and like harmonic content, just things that like I feel when I listen to and when I study it and I loop it and kind of see like what he was doing there um that like helps my songwriting the most and so i'll actually listen probably more to jazz and like hip-hop and funk than i would electronic music and then i take all those influences and make electronic and then you know from there kind of listen to electronic from there you know what i mean oh yeah man i love that and that yeah. gives you know you're the flavor sound i guess yeah i sure hope so <laughs> now where do you go to learn and improve your own production skills um Honestly, all like YouTube, I would say YouTube is one of the biggest things. I'll even like, yeah, like Skrillex, someone I probably wouldn't align myself with. Um, tons of respect for the guy. His productions are amazing. And that's why he's seeing the success that he's seeing. But uh, I'll look up a Skrillex tutorial or like whatever it is, because I know I can always gain something like someone approach something differently than I have. And like, that's just knowledge gained. So I would say to anyone listening, like, YouTube, everything and like Google everything. And even though like it might be a different genre, a totally different like direction of what you're into, that's knowledge and that like that's a different perspective of like of how to do something. And so I don't know. I, I would say that also tons of friends in the city. I've there's some really good producers in my city and like I, you know, we're all making different kinds of music, but we send it we send it all around to each other and like I'm not shy about it. Like if they ask me, Hey, how'd you make this sound? I'll for sure tell them. Right. Um, and same like goes for them. Like, it, you know, if I was like, Hey, like that drum processing sounded crazy. Like, do you mind asking, like, do you mind if I ask how you did that? They'll like, Oh yeah, I did this. Or like, you should get this synth or like whatever it is. And huh. so I would say, yeah, definitely use your friends too, or just you know, other producers in your community. So it's a pretty big scene there. You're in, you said you're in Alberta. Yeah, Edmonton, Alberta. It is just middle of Canada, very cold and not anymore, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a very plain city. I wouldn't say it's like the biggest scene, um, but yeah, there's definitely is a scene. It's hmm. kind of like there's this, it's a, there's a really big scene of like oversaturated electronic music. Like uh, there's a couple of promo companies that like run the game and don't really push the scene forward. They're kind of just doing what like will be uh, the most business right forward thing you know what i mean like they're just right. more the making profit but then there's all these other small promo groups who like are definitely more forward thinking like bringing just like amazing talent and like whether it's successful or not like just like solid solid 
taste. Um, so yeah, like I think I'm pretty lucky being in a city that can offer that. No, that sounds great. It's just, you just kind of got, if you are here, you just kind of got to look a bit harder to find it. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I live in Tampa, Florida and there, there ain't much going on down here, but it's getting better. It's getting better. That's awesome, man. I think, I think like, at least if you're in the States though, there is a bit more, um, like availability with DJs, you know, it seems like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Plus it's sunny down here. I don't want to move, so I'm not going to go anywhere. Oh, nice, man. Yes. (laughs) Like where I'm from, like our winters are like seven to eight months long. Oh man, that's harsh. Actually this winter, I think we were like deemed like one of the coldest places on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. We've actually like gone to like minus 50 degrees Celsius before. Like it's like easily, it's pretty bad, but our summers are really nice and it's just kind of getting around summer. So oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's you good. Know, the winter's locky inside so you can make songs and produce. That's all. Actually. Yeah. That is definitely a huge bonus. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some gear now. Sure. What What is your favorite soft synth? Um, I guess I would have to say lately, uh, it's this ES2 synth and logic. It's actually a stock synth and it's one of those things where like, I never really thought about it. And then, um, you know, I was, I was just so into using massive and FM eight and I said, I'm glad I gained all that knowledge using those more known synths. But, uh, I opened it up and like started playing some chords with it. And I just love how like crisp you can make it sound and like yes. full and deep, you can detune it. And like, it just keeps its quality there. So ES2 is probably the biggest one I've been using lately. Um, but then there's a couple, uh, there's another one that's a stock synth as well called sculpture. And, um, it's a bit like string based, like a virtual string type of. Um, it's kind of. It's actually like it's cool because it's like a three oscillator synth, but uh, you can choose like if you want it to get plucked or if you want it to get strung or like struck. You can like choose right. different settings of how it would actually get played. So like you can make the craziest pads and like atmospheres using chords and like hmm. yeah, I've been using that quite a bit too. Um. But in another one, I guess would just be like a classic Rhodes. I don't even have an actual Rhodes synth, but I just use it like in this, the Logic sampler. And I just like using them because they're fun to write songs with. They're like good progressions with and yeah, just things like that. That's cool. Well, that's good. You, I, I always liked Logic synths. Yeah. Um, I even like ES1, I think. Now, yeah. is, which one is the one that where you, you spin it, like it, it turns around with the big circle? That's not, that's not ES2, is it? Um, it's like you got three oscillators, but you can spin the whole thing around. It looks like a spaceship turning on, turning around. <laughs> I actually think that might be the ES too. And it's got that like is, a circle thing and you can choose like how much, like how much you want of one of the synths. Like it's a little triangle and you can like move the thing around of how much you want like each synth to be within okay, the synth. That probably is it. Then. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, the ES one, they all kind of have the same format. There's like a bit of a circle in the middle and yeah. 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 I like them too. Very clean synths. Oh, totally, man. Like they're definitely underrated. Totally. How about your favorite effects plugin? This can even uh, be some of the logic stock effects. Yeah, no. And it actually is the, the space designer and logic I think is like game changer. Really? Uh, That's their reverb, oh, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, big fan of reverb. I think like it could just do so much. It can literally just change the entire vibe of a song. If you like create the space properly, and uh yeah like i've been using space designer a lot for just simple leads and then putting like very short burst reverbs on top and to the point where like i don't even need a chorus i don't even need like a stereo spread (laughs) just adding that like little reverb like thickens it up makes it sound so much more like defined and can like 
like emphasize it more like within the mix. So Very cool. yeah, definitely been using that. Um, another one I think is camel crusher. Um, I don't really distort things that much, but it's just like a nice compressor that can just, you know, I do believe in dynamic, but at the same time there, if you're peaking a lot with certain sounds and you want to squash it a little bit and just get a bit more control on it. I think that one's really, really helpful too. Is it a compressor or is it a distortion? What is camel crusher? Well, like it's a distortion, um, but it has like a compressor component. Neat. So you can turn down, uh, so what you can do is like you turn down the distortion you could turn down like another thing called tube, I think it is. Um, and then keep like the master volume where it's at and then compress it like quite a bit. And then that like it will compress it. But then when you turn up all the volume after compressing it, it will actually keep its peak exactly where it was before you started compressing it. Um, but like fatten it up. So like it's wow. really nice for being able to like squash peaks and like, you know, I don't know, it might be kind of distorting it quite a bit or like maybe it might it can definitely be dangerous if you use it too much but within reason like it, it helps a lot yeah hey whatever sounds good no exactly man how about hardware do you use any special hardware in your studio i actually don't <laughs> all on the laptop huh yeah all on the laptop um i do want to invest in some hardware eventually but it's just so expensive man it's intimidating and <laughs> because it's so expensive i'm just scared to make that step and just buy something wrong you know what i mean but i, know I guess what you mean yeah and i'm you know I'm, I'm living the student life well it's summer now but yeah definitely while i'm in school i'm not looking to spend that much money i don't uh, know man with hardware it's like you buy it and you play with it for a week and you're like this is cool but then you're like how, how could i implement this into my you know songs and in my doll and then it's just easier going back into the box so i don't think it's a huge loss for you no exactly like i, I know so many producers who like spend tons of money on hardware and they'll use it a bit and it like they'll gain knowledge, but then like they can't ever really find a way to like really use that within uh, the production. So exactly. Yeah. I think a, a piece of hardware I do want to pick up eventually is um, just like a really nice MIDI keyboard. Cause I don't even have that. And I'd like to be able to start being able to like play a lot of the stuff and get more control with like the pitch and uh, like things like that. And using um, like a MIDI controller to do some automation. Yeah. But. Yeah, that is fun. Like I, I like playing the keys. I'll tell you what though, good luck trying to find a, a nice MIDI controller like a keyboard because a lot of companies are just putting out the cheapest, most plasticky thing they can right now. <laughs> you really have to look to find something that has maybe semi-weighted keys or is not, you know, weighs more than half a pound. Yeah. Like, yeah. So good luck. Innovation makes some good stuff. Um I've definitely heard of them. Yeah. 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 And there are a couple synth, uh, controllers out there. You know, I found the best controllers are old synths from the eighties. <laughs> they just feel the best, you know, they're, they weigh 25 pounds, but at least they play good, you know? No. Yeah, exactly. My dad has a couple and like, he's been hunting for them and like, yeah, like they, they have that weight there and it's like quality. I think yeah. like a lot of companies right now are trying to be like, Oh, like DJs move around so much. We need to make them like travel friendly. It's like, no, like just make them good. Exactly. Um, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Actually like back to like my turntables, like I have Technic turntables. I swear to God, they were like built in like the seventies <laughs> and they're so heavy and really like, it's so tedious to move them to like a party, but like it's it, that quality is there. I feel like they'll never break. So yeah, I noticed that when I, when I was watching your video, I'm like, those things look pretty hardcore, like pretty old. Oh man. And it's funny because we filmed that in my friend's dad's office and it's like 25 stairs to get to the top. <laughs> oh, man. And it was right after my shift. Actually, like if you watch that video, I probably, I look pretty tired and like not happy. <laughs> it's funny because we did actually do it in one take. And so I was really excited. It was like, it was pretty late, just got off work. 
And uh, when I started editing it, I was like, man, I just look so depressed. <laughs> no. and it might be because I had to look, like carry all of that up those stairs. You and did get a drink in the middle of the set, so you probably yeah, got thirsty. Yeah, there was water and some derail, <laughs> which is nice. That's but awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what would you say is the most successful action you have done to forward your music career? Um, so yeah, this is the question that I was going to bring up. I would have to say it was the Red Bull 3 style. Um, well, maybe not the most, uh, the most successful. I don't even know how to gauge my success, but just something that like was one, like one of the most self-fulfilling things I've ever done, mainly because it just, it was so much work. Um, I felt like it was almost like an album, like taking all these songs, breaking them down, learning how to like mix them, how I wanted to mix them all within 15 minutes and then still, you know, getting recognition, like in that video like it starts off with uh, the red bull three style site saying uh like it was a red bull three style first and that's still like something i'm so proud of the fact that like i actually think i was the only person in that competition history to do that which is kind of to use all your own music yeah which is kind of surprising but it was eventually going to come to that and i actually think like and even scratch bassett the guy who was like a huge red bull rep and like total big uh eastern canadian dj um we were talking backstage and he was the one who gave me all the props like when they're announcing the winners and uh he was like man like we didn't even know how to like like you didn't fit the guidelines like we were marking you on like originality but like it didn't even fit like our rubric so that was like really flattering and uh yeah it was just super cool to get like like a, have a household name say like all those things so wow that's really well done man yeah, it was fun. I'm I'm actually planning to do it again this year. Hopefully not many too many people hear that. <laughs> but uh yeah, like they just sent out emails to um get all the DJs to sign up again and I'm just I'm totally gonna top it, I know for a fact. I think like the music is better than it's ever been, the whole direction, like it's and obviously like the, the skills hopefully like should be a lot of fun. Good luck, man. I'm rooting for you for first place. Thanks. Yeah, I really hope. Like, I, you know, I got third again, <laughs> but uh, I was hoping to at least beat the first two years, like my placement. But oh yeah. well, it's a lot of fun. But um, it's still very respectable. Yeah, like I guess, like in the end, I do want to do it for credibility, and that's what I got. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be nice to get first, just to like have another stage to perform at, you know, to move on to the next step and do that set more than once in like a live setting. So sure. That would, that would be really killer. Um, but, uh, I guess other than that, another successful thing that kind of came from the Red Bull three style was like, you know, kind of in a funny way, focusing more on the music than the shows. So you would think that like doing a Red Bull three style show would be like, okay, I need to get more shows now and blow this up. It was actually more like, okay, wow, like this was my outlet. Like I just played all my music and I branded it as my music and it was well received. Now I need to like build on this more than ever before I even like consider shows. You know what I mean? So I think like one of the more successful actions I did was, uh, yeah, just like taking a step back. Definitely, you know, I have a lot of homies in the city who would be very kind to give me shows and like I, ha I can always have like a stage to play at. Um, but I think, uh, stepping out, just like kind of getting on the music grind and really figuring out what I want to make has been, has given me more success. And that like the juicy P was a big step in that direction too, where I kind of did that all on my own terms. I was like, Hey, like I'm doing the art myself. I'm doing like the masters myself, or if I even master them, I can't even remember. Um, and like just 
everything was controlled by me giving it out for free and it actually blew up bigger than any song I'd released with the label before that. So dude, that's killer. We, and we were talking about this before the show. I mean, the fact that, and I, I didn't even know you did it all on your own, but first of all, your name is killer. I love flavors. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It just, it says a lot and it's got this meaning, this like, I don't know, feeling to it. That's very cool for a DJ and a, and a producer and Thanks. your, your album artwork, like for juice, First of all, the name Juice is cool. Yeah. Just the, the pictures, it's beautiful with the, the, like the apples and the water dripping down. It's very cool, man. It, it adds so much to the, your image, you know? Thanks, man. It was funny because like that song, Just Want Juice, it was actually like the vocal says, Just Want You. But when thrown in context, I kept hearing juice instead. And actually, like, if you now that you hear juice, like, you probably won't hear just want you. But yeah, like, the acapella I took it from is just want you. And so, yeah, pretty much I was like, you know what? Like, juicy pea flavors, like, it just works out. So I started looking up fruit. And <laughs> yeah, I found that, just found the font I liked, which is pretty much going to be my logo from now on, I think, like a nice cursive. And yeah, uh, that's an awesome font. Yeah. And it just like, it worked out really nice. Now, yeah, it was super rewarding that it was like, you know what? Like, I don't even want to go through all the label hoops. I don't want to jump through a master artwork, all that. It could take so long. I just want to put this out. And yeah, man, like it, it was so well received, like glitchhop.net or glitchhop.net got number one on that website. And that was like, I had no idea. I found that, I found that out because my friend was at number two and he posted number two and I was like, Oh man, that's so sick. I was like, wait, like, and I was number one. Like, <laughs> oh, man, that's so great. Yeah. It was pretty funny. But, uh, so that was like, yeah, it was pretty eye opening. Yeah. That's great. That's good stuff. And you know, I think uh, a lot of people who are listening will find a lot of inspiration in that, that you could do this, a lot of this stuff yourself and, yeah, and really, have good success. Yeah. Like more than ever, it was like, you know, what? like the music speaks for itself and like, you do have a lot more say in like the success than you think. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sometimes labels can do things for you. And like, again, that's not discrediting labels and the labels I'm with. They've done huge things for me. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's really cool that like in the end, the internet's pretty powerful and you can get it to pop off yourself. So absolutely. I love that. Yeah, man. How about marketing? I mean, we touched a little bit on it with this, but have you, do you have any other effective marketing tips for people who want to get their music out there and heard? Um, I don't, man, I don't know. Marketing freaks me out. Like, it's so weird. Like, how did how did you find my music? Do you Be- remember? Beatport Top 100. It was Beatport, hey? Huh. Um, yeah, I guess, like, the biggest one has been SoundCloud for sure. Um, but I don't even know, like, the secrets. Like, some people know how to just get followers on SoundCloud. I really don't know. I think... Uh, I think you have to be a bit smart with like who you align yourself with on SoundCloud. Like if, if you're following them, you're commenting on their music, there is a bigger chance that they'll listen to you. And if they like it, they repost it. And so then you're kind of like involved in their community and their music that they like. And so like, you know what I mean? It kind of helps your brand. Um, like, so say if I make funky music, I'm going to be writing a lot of other funk artists and like right. trying to connect with them. And then like, you know, we're just kind of, we're helping all each other out. I see. So, um, I definitely say like that's a big thing with marketing your music is SoundCloud and just using, just being conscious of like the community that you're going to be uh, aligned with. Um, how I also, did you get? How did you get into the Beatport Top 100? Oh, so so that was um, just with labels. Like actually, like Simplify. It was kind of cool. Um, Night Riders, like I've mentioned before, um, are from my city and they were on that label and they knew that I was starting to uh, 
well, they, at the time, it was two guys, um, that I was producing music. And so they said, Hey man, like, we'll totally write a letter to simplify for you. And I was like, Hey, that's awesome. Put up this like glitch hop tune. And then they wrote me like, Hey, we dig this tune. We're interested in signing you keep us in the loop. And I lost my mind. And then I, so I called them like, thank you so much. And they actually hadn't written them yet. <laughs> so it was literally me using, just writing a song and posting it on this forum. Like it's directed, it's called like the glitch hop forum. And, uh, yeah, there's like a free section. I just posted it there and surprisingly enough, like they found it through that. That's so uh, cool. Cause so you thought your friends, you, you know, you made this connection through a contact, but literally they just heard your song. Yeah. It was the funniest thing. Like he was like, dude, he's like, we didn't even write them yet, but like kudos. <laughs> and now we will for sure write them or like follow up and be like, Hey, listen, like you found this kid, like you should, uh, sign him. Um, so then, yeah, they did all, they did a lot of the artwork for me, all the masters. And then, uh, they definitely have, like, I've never seen how they promote it. Like, I see their YouTube channel, the Facebook and all that, but they must have, like, a pretty big catalog, like, email contacts and, like, who they can email and different connects with, like, blogs and stuff like that to just get that play count up. So that when it does go on Beatport, um, people are listening to it and buying it. And then, thankfully, like, it got in the top 100 and you found it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah so you're right. Labels, they, they do have their place. And there's, yeah. thing, there's things you could do on your own, and there's things it's smart to use labels for, I guess. Totally. Um, another thing, and I don't really agree with it, but uh, giving music out for free does help. Um, but I just, the way I don't agree with it is that it just kind of devalues music. And I think that, like, with the internet being bigger than it's ever been, we're all so ADD. Like, even I find myself doing it where, like, I'll be going through all this music. And if I don't see a little download icon beside it, I won't even listen to it. And it's like, I got to stop doing that. If it's a good song, like I should just play it. Right. Right. Uh, there's evenings where it's like, no, I just want free music or like, I want music that I can go play tonight. And so like, I don't know, free does help, but I think it's gonna, it's just not good. Cause then people start expecting that it should be free and it totally shouldn't. It's like a lot of work goes into that type of stuff. But, yeah, uh, that's an interesting dilemma. You know, yeah. I still don't know what to do about that. Exactly. And, I and I don't know about the whole ADD thing. I mean, a lot of people are saying like, our attention spans are getting shorter and this and that, but you know what? I think we're just getting things done a lot faster. That, yeah, actually that's a very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. But, but yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess like that's pretty much how I should say marketing your music. That uh, works. It works. On Instagram. I'm, that's what I'm trying to build right now because I DJ and because I, uh, I can scratch and all those like, you know, just quick little tricks. I really want to start building like just cool videos of like previews of songs and just being able to DJ them. Like maybe one day I'll buy a GoPro camera and just like film little quick sets and like previews of new songs or collabs or whatever it is. Um, but I think Instagram is a cool way of like marketing music and just keeping, I don't know, instead of doing a meme or something that like can gain attention, it's like, you're just that much more like, it's the artist. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Now, Instagram, you, can you put audio, video and picture on there? Yep. Gotcha. You can, um, there's a, so you can like record it live using like your, your camera phone or whatever. But, uh, I actually have like an app on my phone where I can like take an MP3 straight from my library and link it up with whatever video I film and it just layers them. And then I can just post that on Instagram. Very cool. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. So what would you say is the best advice you can give an aspiring producer right now? Um, I think right now I would say, um, just remember that the music always speaks for itself. Uh, you can be, I don't know, you can 
be as self-proclaiming as possible. You try to make it seem as hyped as it is, as it is, but uh, in the end, like people will only care about the music. You can be like a total cool personality. Like Dylan Francis has so much, you know, hype around him, and he's a hilarious dude. But like in the end, his music spoke for itself, and like what he wanted to make, and that's why he got where he was was because of the music. Don't get me wrong; the personality helped, and like you know, having that online presence is there. But like, you should definitely be concerning yourself with like what you want to be making and like what you get most self-fulfilled with or uh, like, sorry, like, but yeah, just what makes you the happiest. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, Sage advice. Yeah. And I would say just, yeah, pay your dues. There's so much on the internet right now. Like you have no reason to like sell yourself short. Like there's times where like, Oh, I'm young. Like I, I don't want to finish this tune or like, Oh, whatever. It's good enough. (laughs) No, like just try a bit harder. Like, maybe finish that tune. Don't give it out. Don't just try topping it first. Or like, you know, I've been kind of, because I've been in school, there's been times where just the latest song I made was the song I gave out. And sometimes that's not good. Sometimes I should just make a song and then make five more and then pick from there. And that can be a bit more rewarding. Hmm. Um, and just, I don't know, taste is really big too. Like don't, I don't know in the end, like if it makes you happy, but I would say like avoid bandwagons, like that might pigeonhole yourself. I don't know. Like trap music is huge right now. And there's tons of DJs like taking advantage of trap music, but I feel like that will only get you so far, so far um, in terms of like, if you know how to write a cool trap song and that, that's something that's not really forward thinking, but is good enough for like the trap scene, I guess. Right. right. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I would just say, uh, push yourself. No, that's great. <laughs> it sounds, oh, it sounds so corny, but yeah. No, man, that's sometimes the corny stuff is the most true. It's it's good. Yeah. I think it's great advice. And I don't think it was corny. <laughs> <laughs> so which of your productions are you most proud of? Um, actually lately I've been listening to that Austin Powers jam and, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one for sure. Oh, and actually, that's the one I did not listen to yet on your, your list. Oh, of yeah, you definitely gotta listen to that. All it's, right, I'll do. I'll definitely listen. Yeah, Don't I was, mind if I put that at the end of this interview and uh, we could attach that to the podcast? Oh, hundred percent, man. I think people enjoy that for sure. Um, and actually, that kind of relates to like the the uh, marketing way. Like, it's it, in a way, it was a smart way of like of marketing my music because uh, it's kind of cheap. But like, I knew one. I, I chose to do an Austin Powers remix because the original, like, it's written by Quincy Jones, and it's just such a cool song, and like it's the only kind of trap song I guess you could say I made, but, uh, just using 808s. But, um, I just, I don't know, like it, it was just asking for a remix, but <laughs> in terms of marketing, every single person I think knows who Austin Powers is, right. has heard that theme song and they know it. So it was just that much more likely to like blow up. And at the time, like I just have a new tune with the, the funk who, uh, that's been my most played song since. But before that it was this Austin Powers one. It's totally, I think a lot of it is because, um, I chose to like, you know, make something that's really well known. Right. Um, so well, yeah, you have 31,973 plays on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think like a lot of that, like I am really proud of that tune. The, like the sample, I, I don't sample too much and that one was definitely more sample based and being able to write my own saxophone on there and piano along with like the instrumental that was like, you know, it was, it was a good learning experience. And, uh, I think that's why it's gotten that much plays, you know? Wow. All right, man. I definitely got to hear that one. And For sure. I would say check that out. Just want Juicy or Juicy P. That was definitely a proud one. Like I mentioned, just being more like 
in my control and just uh, taking it like my own way. Um, but then there's this new one I can't wait to show you guys called Mad Props. And uh, I was inspired to do it because a lot of my music was being played at house parties. I was just going to like, you know, tons of homie house parties and actually hearing my music. And it was just really cool that like everyone within my friend group was like, could genuinely like listen to that. Not just because I was there, but because like they liked it. <laughs> so I, yeah, I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to make like a hip hop too. Like I love hip hop music. I love funk music. I'm going to like, you know, let's just make something that's maybe more vocal driven than anything else and still have like the elements of flavors. And I think I've totally achieved that with this new one. And, uh, yeah, like I, sh I can't wait to show you guys that for when's sure. It, when's it coming out? Um, I don't know yet. I actually have a friend. Um, she's doing the artwork for it. She makes like unreal watercolor pictures and, uh, it's so cool that she takes like whatever image and she'll like change the contrast like crazy. So you get like a very black and white kind of vibe to it. And then she'll, uh, draw it out and then she'll like do like just the gnarliest watercolor with it. And so, She's been doing that and like a lot of people have been buying her artwork. So I, uh, I found her a photo of like this group that I sampled and, uh, she's doing the artwork right now. And so pretty much when that's done, I would hope maybe within two weeks max, um, it'll be pretty much ready to give out. So. Awesome. All right. So we definitely have to follow you on SoundCloud. Are you going to post it up there? Oh yeah, absolutely. SoundCloud. Um, it'll be on Facebook and, uh, there is a clip of it on, um, on my Instagram. There's like three videos there, maybe four of like some song previews. And uh, yeah, there's there's one. You will be able to hear it. All right, great. Yeah. Well, tell us what your SoundCloud is and any other links you want us to go to. And we'll also uh, post them in the show notes too. Sounds good. Um, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter are all their website, uh, .com slash flavors music. Um, and yeah, I would definitely recommend SoundCloud and Facebook. Um even if you want to connect with me, like I don't get that much traffic on there in terms of personal messages. So if you holler at me and about something, like I'll totally read it and uh, reply to you if it's a question or whatever it is. Um, so I would say those two are the main ones. Instagram's cool. If you want to see previews and maybe just a, a more in-depth look at like what I'm doing and uh, what I aim to do. And uh, yeah, I would say that. And flavors is spelled the Canadian way, of course. And uh, Which is O-U-R-S. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's good to know. And uh, I'll also post all those links up on the site at edmmr.com. You can just look at Flavors Interview, click on that link, and we'll have all the shows post or all the links posted there as well. So uh, we'll definitely try to send people your way. Um, they got to awesome. hear, they definitely have to hear your stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. Much appreciated. Sure thing. Now, do you have any final messages before we end off that you want to say to the folks? Um, I would say thank you for listening and supporting. It's like so cool being able to, I don't know. Yeah. Just having like an outlet, obviously a creative outlet's very self-fulfilling for me. And it's like, I'm going to be doing it whether I get really big or not. And so the fact that people are into it and even just want to listen to what I have to say, just, it just feels super good. So thank you for listening. Um, if it comes to the moment where I'm in your city playing a show, do not hesitate to come. I like the Red Bull video, like all these things I work very hard to, uh, to, uh, be able to impress. So I think, um, if I'm in your city, you'll have a good time. Oh, man. When you come down to Tampa, if you do, you got to let me know. Oh, for sure, man. 100%. Sweet. And uh, yeah, it's not, hopefully within a year, I'll be starting to break some ground in the States. I got to play in LA and um, San Diego just in February. And that was my first experience in the States. And I'm definitely addicted. Oh, yeah. So hopefully I can get down there like in the States again and start moving around, you know? 
That's great. You know, I would say I would come up and see you, but it's just too cold up there. Yeah, no, I, I would say don't come for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, man. I really, really appreciated you coming on. No, no sweat, man. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Flavors, for coming on the show. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you are liking the show, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a positive review. I say this at the end of every show, and uh, I don't see any extra reviews, so I don't know if you guys are actually listening to this. But head on over to iTunes and leave us a positive review. Subscribe to the show if you like it. That will help us out a ton. And here is Flavor's song that we talked about earlier, Austin Powers' Soul Bossa Nova theme. Flavor's Remix. Yeah, baby! <laughs>